Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Claire Sapan. It's my hope that the information and interviews shared here continue to reach higher ground for us all and offer inspiration that speaks to the heart and potential of today's evolving humanity and world. I'd like to invite you to follow the show if you're interested in receiving notices about future guests here on Lighted Paths Radio. Just click follow on this page to sign up. Geo Ivory's inspirational story is a literal rags-to-riches testimonial. He's an international best-selling sci-fi fantasy author who lives in sunny California. Raised in a military family, Geo has traveled the world and once wanted to be a scientist and the first artist astronaut. Being an avid reader and comic book collector, Gio went to school to produce his own series of comic book characters. His series touches on many topics from coming of age, social political rhetoric, mythology, and the parallels of fact and fiction, challenging people to see within what we've forgotten. He shows that anyone can be powerful if they believe it. His books have sold over 1.2 million copies. Gio was not always the huge success story that is trending. He was homeless in his teens and learned to survive on the streets, but continued to attend school where he loved his art classes and art clubs, and later went on to attend art school. Gio went to Colorado where he wrote the first installment in his series, Soul Stream, The Mansur Epic. After over 45 denial letters from queries, he decided to self-publish and market himself. Much of the current day's success of the SoulStream series is due to a buzz built online through video games like Fantasy, uh, Final Fantasy, League of Legends, World of Warcraft, and other massive online platforms. Gio looks at his success as more than his own accomplishment, but movement of the positive energy of where the world is going. He has a motto where he believes everyone is a comic book character slash supernatural. They just don't know it yet. His own story is a true testament that anyone can realize their dreams with enough determination, passion, and hard work as well as love. And welcome to the show, Gio. Thank you. Thank you. Really good to have you here, my friend. So let's start off with your book, Soul Stream, The Manser Epic. It's truly an amazing hmm. epic story, but would you give Thank us a you. synopsis of what the story is about? A uh, synopsis about Soul Stream, The Manser Epic, which is the, the first book. Uh, it's generally about people from all over the world who find out one way or another that they were worshipped and revered as gods in other lifetimes. Uh, They had these wondrous powers that they had 
a lot of responsibilities with. Um, and one way or another, they destroyed each other's civilizations or even destroyed their own by abuse of their powers or misuse. And, uh, well, they've been reborn in this lifetime as regular people. Uh, they have jobs. They go to school. They have the same rigmarole that we all go through, uh, the same rat race, until they meet each other and they find out that they were those those gods. Um, and then they start unlocking those powers from those times. Well, we know the day and age that we live in, and it's pretty much unacceptable to be strange, but that's a little bit beyond strange, like to walk around as a quote-unquote god, you know, healing and resurrecting and changing the weather, you know, you'd be ostracized. So, well, there's a secret society that doesn't want gods to walk around the world anymore, and so it's kind of killing them off one by one because it thinks that they're just ticking time bombs. So, yeah, it's a really fast-paced action story, but it's also uh, a lot of realization of, like, you know, my friends and family and people that I've come in contact with who just don't realize how powerful they really are. So the premise yes. of the first book. Right. Well, it it kind of mimics a little bit of some of the teachings out there that uh, have been prolific in helping people to understand the true power within and some of the things that we can do to reconnect with the things that uh, are pull in our life that we want to create in the world. Correct. Correct. I agree. Yeah. And so um, the title itself with the word soul stream, Gio, what is the soul stream? The soul stream. Okay. So the name itself actually came to me through, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into later, but the dreams that I had when I was originally writing the book, I didn't know what it was called until I started writing the chapters. Um, but it seemed to be universal throughout all of the characters were mentioning it, you know, to me, um, as being the source of all energy. Um, the thing, the, the beginning and the end of everything. It's where uh, we evolve to as, you know, humanity or any life force. We don't just, our energy never dies. It actually just kind of transcends or it uh, evolves, if you will. And so that energy itself is where we go, where we know everything. When we evolve from this energy, we are all connected to each other. All, all of our experiences, every universe, every, you know, multiverse, time, space, continuum, everything that, you know, is and was, we understand it all of a sudden when we are, you know, elevated to this, this next, I guess, evolutionary period. So when we go to the soul stream, we just all know everything. And that's kind of where we come from. We choose a human body. We choose a mortal shell to inhabit for a certain amount of time. We even give it like that time limit. So that soul stream mm -hmm. is where all energy comes from. It's all where magic is. It's where, you know, science, where everything you can describe comes through the soul stream. Yes. They're like prime creator, the creator, the creator itself. Right. You of can the call it whatever you'd like. Yes. Heaven, creator, right. space, energy, Valhalla, the different generations, different languages call it whatever they'd like to call it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, Gio, you had quite a mystical experience with the writing of Soulstream, and I know that it was it was a surprise to you when all of this started to open up and emerge through you. Would you share about that experience, how it all got started? 
Yeah, of course I will. Um, okay, so I guess I'm really, considering you've already tapped onto it earlier about me being an artist, and I just thought it was just, oh, I'm just an imaginative person. And so I chalked up a lot of my dreams, which I see my dreams in color, like full color and sound effects and everything, like it's like I'm in a movie, basically. But uh, when I decided to leave my career, like in final, uh, I'm sorry, financial services, and actually just go write the novels in Colorado, um, I I didn't know where I was going to start at all. And so I just kind of meditated, and I would just look out of the window, you know, and I would look at mountains, and I would see, you know, the clouds, and the skies were just beautiful. And, you know, one minute led to another. Next thing I knew, I was waiting for, like, I don't know, a dragon to fly overhead or something over the mountains, just, like, give me some inspiration, something magical to happen. Well. Needless to say, um, I ended up going almost into like a like a meditative trance. I would just sit there looking at my keyboard, looking at my computer screen, looking out the window. And between that, I just started, a flow started, and I just started writing. But I didn't know exactly when I started and when I ended until I fell asleep and woke up. And I would look at my computer screen, and there was an entire chapter written. I was like, what is this? And I would have to go read it myself. Like, whoa, what is, what am I reading? And what's happening? And, you know, and through that like experience, I would remember the dream that I was having, you know, while I was writing, I would go through the whole motions of it again, as if I was reading, you know, a dream. And uh, with that being said, that's how pretty much every character was put on the page. Uh, how every story that was told in that book, you know, was written through that process through, dream, write, trance out, you know, and then I would come back and read it again. And I was like, how do I know Sumerian? I don't, you know, how do I know this ancient Egyptian? I don't, you know, how do I know this Incan calendar? I don't know any of this stuff. So yeah, it was interesting. Yes. Yes. I've always been fascinated by that story. You know, how you, you <laughs> fell asleep, woke up <clears throat> and there was this, story written before you and you don't even remember writing it so um, you continued to have more dreams where more of the story would come to you would you talk about that yes uh, now at this point I call it the land of magic like that's what I've nicknamed it I don't even know what's going on where I can pretty much zoom in on the world and I can just zoom in on each character specifically which whoever I want to see and it's almost like in my dream state, I can follow them around, uh, like stalking them like a a ghost or something. And I'm walking behind them. And I'm honestly, I think that they're aware that I'm there, but you know, they still go through their regular day. It's almost like how we, we hear a whisper and we look around and we're just like, Oh, whatever. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, that's kind of how I am walking around with them. So I can see their just normal things that they would do these characters and what they were saying and like how they would interact with each other. And they were all so unique and so individual that, um, you know, I was just trying to have a hard time even coming back here and try to transcribe that, that whole experience. And that's pretty much mm-hmm. what was happening like left and right. I mean, it got to the point where there's so many characters I had to just like limit to those characters um, that I was writing mm-hmm. about and their personal experiences. What do you think was going on with that? Where do you think all that came from? Um, that's an interesting question. I honestly, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just know that I, I've always been fascinated with 
like, you know, you said before, science, art, you know, uh, I've also been fascinated with history, fantasy, mythology, you know, different cultures, um, you know, and just the, if you look at the different parallels of just the gods that ancient civilizations actually worshipped and, you know, the superheroes that we have today, it's almost the same thing as our celebrities or, you know, things that people were exalted and they were in a different status and they had these interesting stories written about them. Some of them were extremely, like, well thought out and amazing, like, you know, uh, stories about their lives or what they did. And a lot of them were just dramatic. Like, they were almost petty sometimes, you know, and sometimes they were vengeful and sometimes – but they all had flaws. And there was some reason why their civilization fell off at one point or another. And so that always fascinated me. I was like, what if these are real people? What if this was, and I thought that maybe that's where this was coming from, or, you know, until I just start getting those dreams. Yeah. So the idea of what if these were real people, what if, what if this was coming to you for a reason, perhaps from the soul stream itself, like a thread from the soul stream where Mm -hmm. there are parallels of what's going on with these characters and the things that they're doing through each of the chapters that there's undertones of things going on with the planet and the environment and Mm -hmm. things that you know need change we need positive change with and so forth and this reflects a lot of what this world is going through today in in our third dimensional lives i agree i agree I think that uh, if everyone actually did have a little bit more belief in themselves and that they can use, uh, you said it before, uh, what I believe that, you know, people are comic book characters um, slash supernaturals. They just don't know it yet. Like what if they actually use their powers for good or to help others or just to help the environment or help anybody, like even help their own family or help themselves, get themselves out of whatever it is that they're in. And, it's just a matter of what are you going to do next, your choices that you were, you were given, you know, at birth. And that's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, what the, the premise of it is. Like, we all can make a difference. We just need to believe it. Yes, yes. And so each of these characters, um, there are different groups of these characters. Um, some of yeah. them are called the Mansers. And, and there are different uh, titles for each of these groups, and each of the groups, have their own special abilities that they use when they come together to help the planet and to help um, bring the truth out about some of the things that are going on that need to change. And I don't want to give away too much of the story, Gio, (laughs) because, you know, it's, yeah, it's so much better to read the book. It's so much better to hear the the audio book, which I need to also say, you and I had an amazing journey recording and producing this book together. It was a phenomenal experience of several months. We worked together creating (laughs) the audio book. You did the narration and all of the male characters. I played the female roles. And then we also had two marvelous cameos as well. And that was an awesome journey working with you. Um, we, We helped to help these characters come alive through sound in ways that is a different dimension from reading the book. So um, would you talk about some of the things that stood out for you in that experience? 
Well, uh, as you know, because you know, and I thank you so much for all of that. That was that was great. We actually read this book a few years ago, um, and I remember the first time we met. We were introduced uh, through a friend, a mutual friend, and um, and she was like, "Claire is awesome. She's really busy. She does a lot of interviews. She's an actress. She's and I was borderline intimidated because I didn't know." You know, I was like, I've never acted before. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, you, if you want to narrate your own book, just know that you're dealing with a professional. And I was like, oh, my gosh, here we go. And then we get in there, and you were just sweet as pie. I was like, wait, this is going to be easy. And then until you got into work mode, and it was just like, Geo, you have to be consistent with yesterday. You have to be, you know, and it was like, what's going on in the <laughs> acting and all of the I had no idea what I was getting myself into. For anybody out there who's trying to get into uh, acting or voiceover acting or anything like that, or even production, just know it is not as easy as I have such a respect, like an all new respect for anybody in the entertainment field because of that. I was like, wow, this is a lot, you know. But, uh, you know, I remember you hadn't read the book just yet wh- until we were actually reading, uh, you know, and producing it. And as it was going along, I could just see the realization of what you were actually reading and just the characters and, you know, they were coming to life and you could even see the progression. You can feel it when you actually listen to the entire audio book of like where we started to then like toward the end and you just see how it just, it was its own life. It got its own thing. And um, I had such a good time. It was just, it was, it was more fun than it was work. Let's just put it like that. And uh, it was a lot of work, hundreds of hours, but it it was was fun. (laughs) <laughs> we had, yes, it was. And we had a lot of intense moments, too. But also yes. the journey itself was, um, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, oh, and, no. and the reason that I'm sharing this on the air here is because it's, I think it's useful for uh, people who do hear the audiobook to understand that the process that we went through was we lived it. We were living those characters. And yes. the, um, so this audiobook is another dimension of what that energy was that came to you in the first place of, uh, of writing the book. I remember That's right. um, in, the, in the past few weeks when I was doing the final polishing on the editing of things, um, you know, uh, weaving in the music and uh, things like that. As I was listening to our voices coming through, I I would get these this tingling feeling in my hands. Like, um, and I do do energy work as well. Um, you mm-hmm. know, different types of energy hands-on healing, and it just it would just turn on when I would hear our voices. So I know that there were layers of energy that was moving through the sound that was being created. Um, and I, so I felt it was a very significant thing to mention the audiobook because it, it is another dimension of the book itself. I've, I've felt right. that all along. And yeah, I want to thank you I, for the opportunity to, to do that with you. You know, I, the more okay. So I I listened to the the full. Uh, this is my first time ever actually listening to the entire production, which just a couple weeks ago, right? Like just it wasn't that long ago. It was just a few <laughs> weeks ago. 
and uh, and I listened to it all the way through. It was almost like you know you know how people are nowadays when you get on uh, Netflix or stream something, you just binge you like listen or binge watch. That's kind of what I did with the audio book. I just binged and just sat there for ten hours, just like listening, you know, preparing meals and eating while I was going along, had it in my headset, just like listening, and I was just like, wow, like this is interesting how this came it evolved from you know, what am I going to do? Am I going to write something? Okay, how am I going to write it? What am I going to write about? Sitting there going through the trance, going through the whole process of getting, you know, it was, by the way, when I would read those chapters uh, to myself the next day, it was one long run-on sentence. Like, it was almost like thought. It wasn't mm-hmm. properly set up or grammatically correct or anything. It was just, and I had to go in and put spaces and things like that, you know, so for the process of it all, just start going, coming back to me as I was listening, as I was, you know, how it went from this embryonic stage to like of a baby almost. It was just like, Mm -hmm. it was beautiful to watch, you know, or to listen to. So yeah, it was a great experience. I I won't take it back for anything. Yes. So what do you hope to have happened with these different levels, these different threads of messages that are in this this whole um, Soul Stream uh, series. There there are some things going on here in these stories that are, and I don't want to um, overstretch with my opinion, but I Please can do. tell you the I, feeling that I have. I would love to I hear have. any of your opinions. Please, just indulge. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Thank you, Gio. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. The stories have common threads of things that um, that I feel are to trigger things within each of us to remember mm-hmm. the you know the the as you have said that we we have our own power within. We know that it comes from uh, a divine source. We know it comes from beyond ourselves. And right. uh, we, these are the things that um, we are to step up to the plate of who we are. So this is, this is just my sense of what these stories inspire in us, giving us that sense of purpose, that sense of mission, the, the things that we're here for and here to do. In your opinion, um, and I know that you and I have talked about this before. We share a lot of the same thoughts. But I'd love to hear it from yeah. you, what your okay. feeling is about what you hope will come from these stories. Well, okay, so you know when you're a kid and you, you, know, you have that feeling, like, like almost like deja vu, like you've been somewhere before or you – or even if you – like somebody – as a kid, you know how you have that pure thought where you just know – um, someone coming into your space, into your home, or into your play area, or whatever it was, you just knew if you felt good, or if you bad, or, you know, if something scared you, or uh, it was just a um, a way of just thinking, a way of being uh, that you didn't understand exactly, and it was like uh, alarm set off, and things, you know, you just were more of a feeling entity while you were trying to understand your environment as a child. And then you get older and those senses kind of like go away or to the wayside because you're more of, you're, you're thinking more in a, the rational mind of how you should go day in, day out. And people forget 
that, like, you know, this is the main reason why I believe that, you know, religion pretty much exists in the first place or that people, um, ha- like, look to the stars for things. Because we have a connection to something deeper or something out there that's, that's bigger than us, that's, you know, grandiose or whatever it may be. You could call it what you want. But there is a feeling that you feel. Even I even talk to my, my friends that are, you know, atheists or whatever they are, all different religions across the board, they have a, there's a feeling, there's an energy of it that we can't control, we can't understand, there's a connection to something, we, we can't, we could call it whatever names we'd like, and, you know, but what is that feeling, and why is it that, you know, we, we, knew, we know that we can do something deeper or more meaningful, or, you know, and we have this, uh, it's almost like an ambition that's in bed in us, and so I'm trying to understand what that is, like, why there's the superheroes and the supervillains and the polarity between good and evil and, you know, neutrality and all of these different light and dark and the sources, you know, all of these different things that have fascinated us all throughout history um, and all throughout mm-hmm. our childhoods. And that, you know, these people in my story, you know, or, or the story, the soul stream, I just think about it. I just, I, and I'm like, they're trying to tell a story where they know that they've made mistakes, but it's okay that they can, you know, yeah. make different decisions as they go along. The mistake is part of the journey. Like, how would we learn how to walk if we didn't fall over and get back up? And how would we learn how to, mm-hmm. you know, run and do anything and be gymnastics? You know, anything, like, do any kind of track and field. Like, we have to teach our muscles, our bodies, these things and as we go along. And what about the, our DNA and what's deep within us? things that our ancestors have given us as information that we just don't know how to access yet. You know, through science, people are finding out, you know, through ancestry, you know, different like uh, programs and geneticists where like their bloodline led and came from. And there's stories within us. We have no idea. Some scientists call it junk DNA. Well, I don't believe in anything being junk DNA. I just think that it's files, if you will, that we just don't know how to access just yet. You know, um, the energy of the earth, we don't know, there's vibrations from stones and there's vibrations from the elements that we touch and that we feel even the, the rays of light that are around us and the waves of energy that we cannot understand. They're there. We can't see them with the physical eye sometimes, but we know that they are there, you know, even speaking over the ether, which has become normal nowadays. You know, I just wanted to tell people that we, there's, we have a lot of information trapped within our DNA, within our soul, whatever you'd like to call it, within our bodies. And that information is what, you know, if you just can look within, you, it, the answers are there. If you can, you know, accept that we are not all different, we're actually connected. The more and more you look within, the more you realize that. This is, whole place is connected <laughs> somehow. And, yeah, I just would like people to just open their minds just a little bit more, think that they – are able to do something just that they don't think that they can do, that they don't think that it's possible. You know, we make it possible. It's up to us to keep that magic alive, you know, to keep that feeling, that deja vu, that energy that, you know, any moment a unicorn could show up, a dragon or anything, you know, just that magic, that the wonder, the mystery, that there's something else out there beyond us kind of energy is what I want to keep alive. Like, you know, I don't want it to die. Beautifully said. <laughs> I love it. I love it because you're, you, you know, you, Geo, are offering an idea. 
You're planting a seed mm-hmm. here. Now, there are some people who have been working with these concepts for years and years. Right. And, and, they, and, and they have found ways to keep the magic alive and to tap into parts of themselves that were greater than they ever thought that, that belonged to them. Um, and, and they're coming out. Many of these people are coming out and sharing this wisdom. And everyone has their own unique way of doing it. And the characters in I these stories are, are just one of those ways of helping people to, um, to be inspired it is very inspiring, the things that that um, come out in the world. Yes. Oh, you're welcome. Um, and I know that um, you have you you have many um, many more. Uh, you have a, a series of nine books that you plan on coming out with. So this is going to be a progressive journey that is going on. I remember uh, in the very beginning of the story with Ischa and who Ischa is and what happens with him. Um, You know, to me, that character is much like an angel. Mm -hmm. And, but an angel experiencing a human life here on this planet. Um, Would you talk a little bit about who Ischa is and where what his role is in the story and i'm not asking you to give away too much as far as future stuff but no 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 um who he means to us now in this story okay so yeah thank you that easter is he was the first character the first chapter that i ever had that experience of zooming in on if you will and just looking and following someone um this is a character who Upon looking into the world, I I saw this. It was almost like a um like a warm, uh like a dome, if you will, of light that was coming from the coldest part of Earth, like Antarctica. And I was like, what is that? That's interesting. And so I would zoom in on it. And before I knew it, you know, I'm looking outside of this. It almost it looked like literally a um like a protective field. Uh, the, it's like a warm light, a warm dome, and I would I took a step into it, and before I knew it, I'm inside of a a forest, and Ishja, who is the character inside of this forest, is he is a mancer, um, and apparently according to you know everything that I've known so far, but the geomancer, which is uh, they have the control over the earth itself or to speak to the earth itself or to speak to the, the animals and, uh, you know, control, like, I guess, minor areas within the earth to heal it, if you will, um, and to understand the vibrations that come from it. Well, this character has created this sanctuary in Antarctica, uh, and it was this beautiful forest. And all of these animals were walking around harmoniously, like not threatening each other, not anything. They were just – you know, more concerned that I was there than anything. They were just like, what are you doing here? But, you know, they still were peaceful and uh, giving me like, kind of like the side eye, like, is he, what is he doing here? And, and as I walked in further into the, the forest, Easter was there, uh, young, like he looked like he was, I don't know, he looked like he was about 17, 18. Actually looks a little bit younger than that. But, you know, and the character itself, um, he just basically was peaceful energy, like this, I didn't even know at this point if it, if it represented a 
person or if it was just a bit. Because the more I was looking at him, the more I realized he was a lot older than that 17, 18-year-old, you know, visage that was there. It was just – and I was like, oh, this is an immortal thing. Like, this is a being. And, you know, he was able to speak to these animals, like, as if they were his – you know, speaking his language, like, you know, which I found out later in the story that it was called the language of magic. There's a universal language. It's just an energetic frequency that they speak. Well, he was speaking to the animals. The, even the plants moved around and, you know, and brushed against him and just, he was singing to them. It was just like an interesting interaction, like uh, with the whole area. And he seemed to be alive in this area. Like it was just his, his playground. And it was a giant forest. And I was like, what is going on? There was a lake in the middle. And he represented uh, a being that I could see he had a lot of inner turmoil. And I was like, how do you have turmoil in a place this peaceful? Well, you know, he was having dreams of the rest of the world as it was being, you know, as it time progressed, I guess, as it went along. And so he could see the wars that we fought as humanity. He saw the bloodshed, the pollution, you know, all kinds of things happening all over the world. And he's like, he, but he just didn't want to be a part of it. He kind of just exiled himself to be into this place, this beautiful place. But he couldn't escape it because, again, being a geomancer, he could speak to the earth, and the earth is trying to constantly tell him, hey, you have a job to do. Remember, like, you're supposed to heal. You're supposed to be present. You're supposed to be here. Like, help. You know, there's, that's your power. That's what you're supposed to do. And he was like, ah, oh, let me brush it off. I'll just have another day in the sun with my animals and my, you know, and that's kind of like, it was just interesting to watch. He was so peaceful, never in his life. And you, I find out later he was thousands of years old, but never in his life did this like being ever kill anything. He just wasn't a harmful, he, as a matter of fact, he was immortal. He didn't have any harm or any kind of negative thought toward anyone. He just refused to be part of a war and he created his own off the grid sanctuary. And so that character was the first one that I ever interacted with. And I was like, wow. And he, this is where I found out how powerful Mancers really were, like just by standing there in that warm sanctuary in the middle of Antarctica. And I remember mm-hmm. reading the story. I remember reading that. And, yeah, it was just – it amazed me as well. I was like, whoa, what is this? You know, answer the mm-hmm. question is – no, that was <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where. I mean, what does Isha represent in this world? Um, I that question is hard to answer. I mean, I think that okay. So if you did have the ability to just like heal the earth with your hands, like pollution, death, whatever the case may be, whatever's happening, you know, corruption, uh, you know, all of this different the chemicals that are like you know sinking in and soaking in. If you could do it, would we like you know? I don't know, bow out of that and say, I don't have the time. I don't, you know, I just rather relax or, or would you go into like work mode and just do that as a, you know, it, it may have been your job via destiny, but it doesn't mean you have to do it just like we all are here, but we don't have to do anything. You know what I mean? And that's, I think Easter realized his, his abilities and he realized what he was supposed to do. He just chose not to do them. You know, and I don't know, it, it speaks a lot to us about that innocence I was talking about earlier, you know, that we want to stay mm-hmm. in that. But what happens before, I mean, when we, we need to do something else, we need to step it up, you know. Yes, yes. And then perhaps later in the series, um, there are some opportunities for him to make a new choice. Uh, but it starts out with him having challenges 
with making the choices yeah. and where th- where right. things lead him in the process. So uh, now also um, another thing I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned corruption and so forth, and there's a faction in the story that uh, comes out where these are some of the things that these mansers and other characters are are um, trying to make changes with in the world uh, with some of these um, uh, challenging uh, factions in the story. So would you talk about that as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, a couple of the opposing factions of the mansers, if you will. Like, mansers are extremely rare. It it doesn't happen very often that someone's born and can quote unquote say that they were they have these godlike powers like they they are you know if Earth is I guess a computer program that Mansers would be like admin you know they can control this whole program they're like we have the control over the program of weather the program of all these different so there's factions who don't want anyone to ha- any one being to have that much power and they have formed their own if you will, secret societies. Um, one of them is Ozone. Is, that's an opposing factor of the mansion, the, the Mansers. And the Ozone, they literally, um, they came together as a bunch of supernaturals, most of them being dreamers, but, uh, and that's a different faction altogether. Their, their one ability is pretty much like uh, Hercules or like Buffy, or like they're born as heroes. Like they're born the chosen ones to basically be the checks and balance between beings that are that powerful and humanity. So these dreamers feel like it's their obligation to protect humanity. And in doing such, they kind of became like the control freak uh, daycare, if you will. Like they take care of the planet, all right, but it's under lock and key. They created, uh, you know, government. They created religion and media and the medicine industry. Like they created all these things to keep – man from actually needing to access powers like these mansers have they you know we have it all here just sign up go into this shop and you'll be fine go into that building and you'll be fine go into this hospital you'll be fine you know and so they created this society where they protect man like they believe that without them that man would die because of these really extremely powerful beings existing so they are in opposition to these kids having so much power and they have the ability to take these kids out, which is what they do, whether they like it or not. Some of them like believe that, you know, mantras like Ishtra are out there that are peaceful. However, he still represents a threat to their society. He represents a threat to what they believe humanity. You know, they don't, they don't want any opposition. With that being said, they, they kill them. And uh, you know, you get, thrust into that war that's going on between back behind the scenes that humanity has no idea is happening. And, you know, so ozone, I try to skate the, just me just explaining that just now kind of makes it sound like they're the bad guys. But the more you actually start listening to like what they're saying and the, the arguments that they're having, you know, the more you start to see that they have their own history books. They have, you know, all of these, like, true encounters of what happened when these masters became angry. Yeah, some of them are really peaceful like Easter, but then other ones were wrathful like Zeus, you know, or Horus or something. Like, they were just, like, fireballs and brimstone and lightning and, you know, underworlds. And they were like, wait, what is going on? And so they didn't want that to happen. And 
these these different people position themselves to monitor all of humanity, you know, and that's kind of what it sounds like. Oh, it's the man, and it's you know, this, but they're kind of doing it for their own reasons because they believe that this is the best way, you know, to give man a fighting chance, you know, to live a peaceful quote unquote existence, you know, the human human experience in this story, which you find out throughout the novels, is actually the most cherished of all experiences. So it's meant to be protected and it's meant to be, you know, beloved and it's meant to be there. But, you know, these supernaturals have throughout time have abused their abilities and their powers. And that's what they're, it's all of this order and chaos and this, you know, gray area of who's good and who's bad and what's happening. And that's what I like to skate on, you know, that area. So you have no idea. Yeah. Like at one at one glance, you don't know. Right. And so in this series, it starts with these beings, the Mansers and some of the other different um, types of supernaturals, return to the earth at, without knowing who they are and right. who they were in former lives. Right. And this time they're here to clean up some of the mess they made as well as help um, create balance again where uh, factions like ozone you were mentioning do not have to um, even be in existence because unfortunately ozone got carried away with their uh, desire to uh, try to protect humanity, and it evolved into um, uh, personal agendas and things that started to be counterproductive for humanity as well as our environment. So That's right. everything that starts in the story is starting with now it's time to create balance, come out with the truth, and help to heal what needs to be healed and move forward in a more evolved way, a more conscious way. You're, you're exactly right. That's pretty much watching this from the outside looking in and then just like seeing both sides of the story, you notice that the Mansers had their own kingdoms. You know, in my story, they call them their thrones. And in their thrones, each one of them, they ruled over different empires all over Earth. And each empire fell in different ways, um, you know, for whatever reasons. And it was... You know, there's. A, I don't want to give too much away, but the the bottom line is that they all fell, and it was because of ego. You know, a lot of ego happening, a lot of uh, differences and opinions between quote unquote admin over this. You know, so they all. They, it's almost <laughs> like a self destruct that happened, and when the dreamers who used to be like loyal servants of these mansers um, at one in different lifetimes, they just said, "We are done. We are over it." They went overboard when they created this secret society that rules over Earth pretty much. They, they went a little bit overboard becoming the exact things that they didn't like, that same dictator energy that they didn't want in the first place. Like, they end up recreating it almost. And now human, mm-hmm. humanity is in a chokehold, not knowing what to do, who to look to, what to go, you know, where to go. The confusion is done. It's, it's there now. And so that's where it comes to another faction called the Witch Breed in my story, who are kind of like in the middle of the, you know, Ozone Dreamers and then the Thrones of the Mansers. Like they're somewhere in the middle. They try to keep the balance. They have the real history of what happened. When they are enlightened, they get all of their memories back. 
So they get to, like, share some of their stories and, like, hey, remember? Okay, I know you don't remember because you're just like everyone else where you you were born into this life and you have no idea what you're capable of. But let me tell you, by looking through the window of your soul, I can explain to you some of that information that you were confused about. You have the ability to do this, this, and this. And in the past, I'm not saying you're going to do it at this time, this lifetime. In the past, you've used your powers for this, this, and this, which weren't necessarily good for humanity or Earth. You know, so maybe you can make a different decision this lifetime. And so they, they are definitely right in the middle trying to tell both sides, you guys can come to a peaceful existence, a coexistence. We all are supposed to, you know, so... Yes. A lot. Beautifully said. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. And and Gio, you have your own inspiring story of, of your experience in your youth and um some of the things that you went through and how you rose above in some of those challenging circumstances. So um yeah. I know that you you talked about how when you were a teenager you were homeless for a while there. And I you was. rose above that. Yes. Would you talk about that and, you know, what it was that happened, what it was you stepped into that helped change all that for you? Okay, okay, yes. Uh, In my early teens, um, I, okay, my family is a military family, so we moved around quite a bit. And uh, we got into Houston, Texas, and, you know, my father wanted to move yet again and do this and that. And I was in my early teens. I just got into uh, my high school at the time, which was Elif Hastings, I, just, I loved it. And I met some of my best friends in the world there. And, you know, um, it was just, it was like one of those moments where you just know that these are the people I'm supposed to know. These are the people I'm supposed to be with. And um, I just didn't want to move again. I didn't want to be, you know, out in the world and, you know, just traveling, being the, that first day of school I had like 30 times before you know, different high schools, different elementaries, different junior high. It was just, I was over it. I was so over it. And so when I, I went through that, you know, um, I was out on the streets with my friends. You know, I still attended school, still had my perfect attendance. I still did all my homework. I still made my good grades. I still, you know, went to my clubs afterwards. I I was in sports programs. I was in a lot of things. And no one even knew that I was actually homeless except my best friends. And uh, with that being said, you know, I would sell my artwork, you know, out of my sketchbooks. And I had hundreds of just pictures, you know, dozens of sketchbooks, like just field. And I would sell my my pictures to artists in uh, the tattoo parlors or to people who wanted me to paint a mural for them or, you know, different things in that area um, just to make income to survive, just to, you know, and let me tell you that it wasn't easy you know, I was out there and I had a lot of temptations to do a lot of things. I could have given up. I could have bowed out. I could have, you know, harmed myself. I could have done a lot of things that I cho- chose not to. You know, I, was, I thank God, you know, that, yeah, my parents uh, and where I grew up before, like, you know, everything that I, I knew was just, I knew that I needed to survive. I needed to be strong. I needed to be stronger than just for me, but I have a lot of siblings as well, you know, and this is unacceptable for me to just give up. So, you know, I, I sold my artwork. I, you know, there was people that I was out on the street with that I watched, you know, OD or commit suicide or different things that were just terrible. Like, you know, they, in the lives that they came from, 
I was like, wow, this is reality for a lot of people, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, man, I just don't want to move schools or I don't want to, like, move along anymore. I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. And these guys were, and these girls, they were coming from, whoa, you know, broken situations that I couldn't even, I didn't even imagine. And, you know, so just for me to watch their journeys and, like, I feel like in a way I have a responsibility to tell their stories. You know, that to just let them know, like wherever they are, whether it's like heaven, the soul stream, space, energy, wherever they are, you know, uh, that it is it's okay. I will tell their story. They'll be fine. And you know that it wasn't for nothing. Like their their story is within me, and nobody people won't forget them. And so, uh, you know, that was just one of the the biggest things that I had to like overcome was I won't be another statistic. I won't be a tragedy. You know, I, I love Shakespeare. I love a lot of the stories that, you know, came from, uh, like, that I used to read in the libraries. I was one of those library kids where I would sit there and read books. I was like, I won't be, like, one of these, like, tragic stories, an ending that didn't get complete, a message that wasn't told, or something, you know, I have to keep going. Like, these comic book characters will come to life. They are real. Like, whether I mean, I didn't expect to sell my books or uh, comic books to different tattoo artists and then be permanently put on people's skin that wasn't in my you know I was a kid at the time so I didn't know that that was going to happen but it did and you know so I went to art school like developing those comic book characters developing those stories and you know things like that and I honestly thought that I was going to start writing about them I didn't expect all of the the soul stream characters to just come through dreams like this like they weren't pre-made you know back then I, I don't know you know those I didn't know those characters so it's, it's just one of those interesting things where just going back and looking at it all, it's like I had a lot going against me, but so does everyone. We all have issues. You know, we all have, like, hard stuff mm-hmm. to deal with, and we all have losses. And just move forward. Like, stay positive. Like, keep stay strong. It's one of those things where it's just a journey. It's, it's all meant to happen. It, it me, it's happening perfectly exactly how it's supposed to you just decide on how you're going to enjoy this ride or this journey. And that's kind of what I, what I did. I was like, I could have sulked and been some other person, but I just refused to be that, you know, I just lived how I wanted to live. I just, I loved life. I loved my friends. We traveled together. Like even as a teenager, we would just take road trips, you know, we would just be together. And it was just one of those interesting, all of our, our friends were just like the international house of pancakes. It was just like so many different type of, races, ethnicities, you know, different languages spoken in our group. And it was just, it was acceptable. It's fine. It's, it's okay. We speak on a different frequency when you speak through like love and you speak through acceptance. And that's kind of, you know, just the mantra I live by. And I just, I don't, I just don't get involved with all the negativity and crazy stuff that's going on. Yes. And even when things are at the lowest, you, you still manage to hold that, positive direction in your life. And, and that's one of the that's things true. that um, really stands out for, you know, the stories that you've told me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do, we all have our moments where you just get angry and frustrated and just like, what is happening? Why is this happening to me? But you have to check yourself before you even go down that spiral, like, wait, but then again, I was born in this time, in this era, where I have these many opportunities available to me, and I've, oh, my goodness, wait a minute. I need to check it. The weather's better than I really have. I, you know what I mean? Just go outside and breathe. Look at what's happening. Just, like, 
you, things will get back into place once you check yourself, you know, on that, that attitude. And we tell ourselves terrible things. I don't know why, but we do. We're the biggest critics. And I know I've heard that from different people, but it is really true. And so if you are, like, criticizing yourself, you also need to start loving yourself. Like, you really do. Everyone should, you know, because that self-belief, that love will lead to a whole lot of different opportunities that you would have never seen. So that's pretty much what these, these characters are saying, that they were given the world, and look at how they squandered it. Like, let me tell you, you guys think you had it bad. Look what I did. That's kind of the stories that some of these characters are saying. I destroyed Egypt. I destroyed, you know, Maya. I destroyed, you know, China. I did, you know, I did this, that. I caused the great flood. I'm the one who did this. You know, it's like, what was I thinking? But oh, I have another chance to make it better. That's kind of what these characters, the stories that they're telling. Now, you went through a lot in the beginning when you were making decisions as to, you know, how to publish the book in the first place. Uh, you, right. you had a lot of queries, and uh, you finally decided to self-publish. And I know yes. that that journey itself uh, brought you to a place where you have some good uh, wisdom to share with other aspiring authors. Would you share a few tips that might be useful for them? Oh, yeah. Um, I know that some of the biggest things that a lot of authors or even just creators generally who don't really consider themselves authors, because I technically did not consider myself an author. I just was a comic book guy. I just, you know, was a nerd or a geek, whatever you want to call me, you know. But I, um, I think that a lot of people, they stop themselves. Like I was saying, that, that critique that they give themselves that, who am I fooling? I can't do this. I have never written a book. I've never written a series of novels. I've never written about a character. I've never, and it's just, you think that stuff. And I just tell people first, check that voice. Like that's not going to be productive. Second, just write something down. Just anything. Take five minutes, sit down and just write it. You know, if you don't want to write it, some people don't want to write anymore. You have technology at your, your fingertips, you know, just record yourself speaking. Have it transcribed. You know, have somebody else write it for you, but just think, just have your thoughts, you know, transcribed. Have your thoughts out there. And once you get your thoughts in front of you and you read it again, put it together like a puzzle. You know, just make sense of it. Have an editor. Go through a, a process. I had an editor, uh, you know, and he was amazing. You know, and if, sometimes people, like, they, they talk about they get stuck at the editing process. You know, when you get into that editing process, you want to hire someone with a fresh set of eyes that, are, that is professional, that, is, that will make your work, you know, sing. It'll make it do somersaults and backflips because, it, you know, that's their eye. That's what their gift is. Just like how there's mancers have to exist with witchbreed, who have to exist with dreamers, who have to exist with, you know, vampire and supernaturals and humans. We all are here for a reason. We all have gifts. You can't do it all on your own. That's another big thing, you know, a misconception that a lot of people, they think they have to do everything on their own. So just take some time, check yourself, write it down, polish it with an editor, and then when you make your decision, I'm not saying you should not go through the traditional way of publishing, but I'm just saying that just understand it's a business, you know, and so are you willing to subject yourself to giving your rights to your baby, your story, to a corporation? or to a, you know, a big house, that that's all their bottom line is, is their bottom line, their numbers. Uh, or are you going to self-publish 
and do a little bit more, which is what I decided to do. You know, I decided I was going to handle my own marketing. I was going to handle, you know, um, queries that I was going to send out to different places showed me that they did not understand my work when I sent it to the, the traditional publishing houses originally. You know, I would send them a query, by the way, I'm sure most of the listeners already know, but a query is when you send a synopsis of your story, you send the manuscript, you know, or at least the first few chapters of your manuscript. When it's all edited and polished and whatever you believe, to the best of your ability, or, or at least at that moment, you send it to them, a synopsis, and you say, hey, can I be part of your big publishing house because you represent yada yada one of my favorite artists or you represent this genre which i love and i want to be part of or you represent this and that well when you send those queries these agents just read your book at face value sometimes it's not even the agents by the way i found this out the hard way it's their assistant 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 of a slush pile something like that and they just they they are the gatekeepers and so it has to go uphill to get to an actual agent and then they read it, and then they tell you, hmm, yeah, or hmm, no. Most of the time it's going to be, hmm, nah, they pass. And they, you know, they send you a nice little letter. I have, like, over 45 of them that tell you, hey, uh, your book, even though it had potential, um, was not something that we can market. We don't get it. Some of them are rude, and they'll just tell you, like, that was crap. Like, it was legitimately, what was this? Okay. Like, I don't. Nobody's going to get this in a million years. You should just give it up and go sell donuts. You know, they'll say something. And it's just like, whoa. But I got those letters. And even though, you know, uh, they were like blows to the ego, you have to think, like, I gave myself worse critiques than these people could ever give me. So it was nothing. I just kept moving forward. I lived on the streets. This is nothing. I can move forward. You know, it's like, so I just mm -hmm. said, you know what? I don't believe it. I'm going to do it myself self-published and been hard, but hey, hope that answers something. You did it. You accomplished that and then 1.2 million books later sold. It really right. did get your attention. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what's interesting so, yes. about that is yes, 1.2 million books later, you know, I meet these people in the industry, like we go to different events. There's a, the Book Expo in America, Book Expo America, which is in New York. Uh, there are um, a lot of different expos that I go to, and there's the Frankfurt, Germany Book Expo, which is like the largest in the world. There's different, and I meet peers, and I just, I talk to different people, and I'm just like, uh, you know, book signings and different industry events, and they look at me like this anomaly, like, how did you happen, and what is going on, and, you know, you need to tell us your secrets, and I was like, what secrets? The secret is I just didn't give up. The secret is I didn't listen to those query letters. The secret was I didn't listen to that critique I was giving myself before I even pressed one button on that keyboard or before I left my job to go write the first novel. That voice that I could have just, I could have stayed in corporate America the rest of my life and been comfortable, lived amazing. You know what I mean? But I wasn't fulfilled. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so that secret is what it is. Just do it, you guys. Like, you literally can do it. There's nothing stopping any of us. It really isn't. So, Gio, just so that everyone knows how to find your book, both the printed yeah. book and the audio book, um, yeah. where do they go? Okay. So I have a website up. It's the Soul Stream Epic, which is S-O-U-L-R-E-A-M-E-P-I-C, soulstreamepic.com, or go to geoivory.com, G-E-O-I-V-E-R-Y.com. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, I even have I, – I talked to my webmaster and said, hey, could you put a coupon for uh, Claire's actual, um, you know, Light It Pass interview today and make it uh, $5 off of my uh, actual audio book? And so that's what I did. If you guys type in L-I-G-H-T, Light, and as the, in the coupon code, you can actually get it from – instead of being $15, the audio book that Claire and I narrated, you can get that for like $10. So um, you can also go to Barnes & Noble. You can go to Amazon. You can go to Audible, iTunes. The book is worldwide. I mean, there's so many different hubs that you can go to, to to find it. But if you wanted that coupon and get the audio book, you can definitely go through uh, my own website at soulstreamepic.com. That's great. Thank you. And then also mm-hmm. I'll make sure that I get a link uh, to your website, put up on the screen of this uh, blog talk yes. page for the interview. Yes. Uh, you'll you send that to me, and I'll make sure I plug that in as well. And so That's we are all out of time right now. But oh my gosh, it's been great, Gio. Thank you so much for joining us on Lighted Paths Radio. <laughs> really Always. appreciate it. Anytime. All much right. love, everybody. Well, thanks for. Oh, good, good. And and you know, I I also want to say that. Um, we should have you back on because there's so much more that you have to share. So we'll, we'll have to set up a date and have you back on again. Okay. Anytime, anytime, okay. always. Great. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Well, thanks. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Lighted Paths Radio. It's been a treat to share with you here. If you would like to receive notices about future guests, click follow on this page. You can connect with me through my website, lightedpaths.org. And you can also find information there about my book, Mary's Miracles and Messages, A True Story of a Visionary's Journey, also on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com. Please join us again for more enlightening conversations. Be well and peace, everyone.